welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? How you been doing? Just checking in today on you. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is your girl, Diamond. And I have somebody that I've been wanting to get on the show since um, 2019. I think that's when I first got introduced to you. I, well, we didn't meet each other, but I got introduced to your music, at, I think, at the end of 2019. I think or early 20 to early 2020, either one of them. Ever since I seen you and I saw you performing the one, in that uh -huh. moment, I was like, oh, this is fire. We, I, I need to see everything about her. I need to know what's going on with her because she's not only is she beautiful, this bitch got a motherfucking voice. And I have been wanting to share you with the audience for a long time. So everybody, I want to introduce one of my favorite trans artists, <laughs> Never Ending Nina. Thank you for welcoming me. Thank you for having me in this same space. Listen, I know the icon that is standing and sitting was sitting before me. And so, yes, I always, I'm always grateful and thankful that all of my connections are built in or the organic um, universe providing me those opportunities. And so I'm grateful that when we did exchange physically and when we first met physically, I'm like, oh shit, I, <laughs> this gonna be my good Judy. And so like, because <laughs> we just, vibe like that when you know you know like they always say real real recognize real and so i'm just grateful for this opportunity facts 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 so nina is a singer songwriter she is an entertainer she's from the great city of port author texas you know we i'm down here in texas doing my thing Ow. but if you can't hear it in her voice you know it's by way of new orleans louisiana <laughs> So she is currently living in um, and thriving in Los Angeles, California. And, um, you know, tell me about growing up. Tell me who was loving on you, who raised you, your family unit, unit, all of that stuff. Tell me about that. Yes. Yeah, so thank you. So it's like, so I grew up in Port Arthur, Texas by way of New Orleans, Louisiana. And so I always include that because my mother's people is from Central Texas, Rosewood, Texas, Waco, Colleen, Temple, all that. And my daddy's people is from Louisiana. They met at Prairie View A&M uh, when they went to undergrad. And then they got married and then moved to Port Arthur, Texas. And so I've always had that uh, South thing of representing Texas as well as Louisiana. Mm, the swag, baby. Come on now. And so, like, my upbringing, like Southern Baptist Church, my mom is once again church. My mother is church and God in Christ. My daddy oh, is Southern Baptist. Ah, glory. 
Uh, <laughs> um, and so I would always tell people like my summers, if anybody is who knows the color purple and that church scene, and when you have all them children looking out, looking in the church, and that was my summer for on my mama's side with my grandmother, because it was the gravel roads, it was the walking down, making uh leaf cigarettes, it was uh, you know, going to the uh one convenience store and there. Their sodas at that time was 25 cents a yeah. soda, a can of soda. So, you know, that for me when I was younger, that was the tea. Like, oh my God, give me a dollar. I'm going to get everything at the store. But that was the gist of having that balance of Southern, uh, Southern hospitality, still recognizing my queerness, but knowing the levels of how I could show up. And so, I'm thankful that in that upbringing, it was immersed in music. It was immersed in Black culture. It was immersed in those things that a lot of us as Black individuals um, universally understand. And so it, the beauty of that is like, I still had recognized my uniqueness, but I still made sure that I operated. I wouldn't even say close, but I would just get in where I would fit in because I knew, okay, these people are not going to understand me. They're going to provide certain things for me as much as they can, but it is my own unique adventure to understand and learn to understand who I am and how I show up in my family dynamics and in the social structures and the school settings and all that. So of course I was immersed in, in the arts because I realized that that was a safe space for me. And so that's why I realized like no one could take that from me. And so that's, that, that is what has cultivated me and understanding who I am as a person presently. I remember growing up in the culture church as well. And I know at my church, all the cishet straight acting boys got all the love. But me being the queer one, it was always police. Sit down, stop acting like a girl. Uh, don't be switching. All, all this kind of stuff, you know, just really policing, trying to, you know, stomp the femininity out of me, but me being able to sing and being able to actually, you know, get on stage. That's where I can actually like, huh, let me get all the attention that I get. Cause I know that these other raggedy ashy ankle niggas can't sing like me. <laughs> and so it gave me, <laughs> it gave me some room to kind of get some type of semblance of attention and love and, you know, the stuff that as a child, you really look into how, but for me, I couldn't, I, the way you just described it is a very mature way to think about it. Did that, was that innate in you growing up or did that, did that kind of, is that a reflection as you are an adult of what you were doing at that young age when it comes to knowing that, Hmm, you know, I got to get in where I can fit in. It was innate. Mm hmm. It was innate. I had, I have always, that's why most people who see me now when I use the coin or the thing that I do, hashtag Nina Knowledge, that's exactly what it is. It's my thought, my view, my research from my lens of looking at everything outside of me, knowing that I'm different, knowing that, you know, how I show up might mind fuck some other might mind you know mess with people's mind in different ways but i'm okay with that and so that long history of experience in navigating that since i was a little child because i was so i have an older sister 
then a middle brother, then me. And so I had those two examples from the gendered perspective of how my mother and father treated my brother, how my mother and father treated my sister, and then how they treated me without verbally telling me that I'm different, you know, and unique. But it was some ways that I would already catch on a like, hmm, well, they did that with my brother, but they didn't, they didn't talk about talk to me about that. Or they did it with my sister and they didn't talk to me about that. And so I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh so they know something I don't know. <laughs> They didn't know how to tell you. So you had to figure it out on your own. And so that was the journey of like, respectfully, I knew how to still respect my mother's, my parents' household at the time before they separated. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, as much as I can, I will go on my own exploration. And so that was the journey of understanding how to actually understand me and my own personhood, but still recognize its levels. Like you can only go, you can only do so much if you're not paying your own bills, if you're not having your own job, if you're not having your own car, if you're not having your own job. <laughs> and so my parents let me know that. And so that sparked within me, like, oh, okay. Well, they mean I got to get my own job. Yeah. God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So... Tell me about navigating that space and gr- space and growing into living your truth. How did that start to come about? I think I understood that nobody was going to do it for me. And so I just recognized I had to start with it. I had to start that journey. And so I knew that the main thing that my family always taught me was about education. And so... I made sure that I excelled in education because at least that's the one thing that they wouldn't say was a queer thing or was a othering thing or that made you look different. No, as a in society, it is taught to us that, you know, if you're a good, if you are a good person, you gotta have good grades, you gotta have good, you know, um standings in your school setting. Because basically that's like a to me, I always thought it was like the first level of how society um, interacts with each other is in the school setting. You had those ones that everybody looks to, then you have the ones that be minding their business, then you have the computer geeks, then you have the theater. So it's all, it's together, but it's still sectioned off. 
And so thankfully in the, in, in understanding that I was letting a lot of those spaces being still being me in certain levels, um, trying to figure that out. Did you have any growing up friends that were queer? Cause I know sometimes in rural areas, you sometimes you can be like a loner cause it's not a lot of us in those areas. You know, now that you say that, if I did, it was more so in the women um, or young, you know, girls who were more um, masculine presenting. Yeah. Um, you know, the, <laughs> you know the lesbians, the the, the yeah. dykes, honey. No, the jocks. You know, but they were the, you know, the uh, basketball uh, player fish. They always got their hair. Uh, relaxing back in a ponytail. <laughs> a free-flowing ponytail. Right. Um, but most of our friends, and then I think the thing that saved us, that saved me, was that it was because of my energy. It was because of I'm cool with everybody. And of course I'm goofy. I'm goofy. I like to laugh. I like to clown. I like to just be as much as I can, I like to be in a joyous space. And so I, I always recognize that that helped me um, navigate in those spaces without getting bullied, without getting, you know, they knew, they knew the queerness, but they still was like, oh my gosh, she is so funny. And so, of course, maybe that was a thing in my tube that I was like, okay, but at least if they don't call me a sissy or punk fatty or anything like that, they know I can make them, I, I can laugh, I can, I can see the comical view of certain situations that happen in our high school, middle school, elementary experience. And so I think that's um, having those individuals, we were all like that. Um, but it was more so, I was always with the girls because I was the girl. And so that was the gist of that. I had friends who were boys. And that was the beautiful thing about my experience is that they didn't necessarily have a definition, but they treated me just like my my constituents. They treated me just like the women. The little girls in high school and middle school, they treated me just like that. They couldn't, they couldn't put words to, you know, why they was doing it, but they just felt the energy of like, no, that's not a boy. So I don't know how I'm gonna get with that, but I don't make sure I respect it as much. And so they would leave me alone in that capacity for the ones who didn't understand. So as you got older, how did your artistry started to grow? Like as far as like getting into music. Now, of course, you you we grew up in church, so you know that's just a part of what it what goes down. So just like <laughs> me, a classic artists, you grow up in church and you go through the training ground of how to sing using your vibrato, projecting, and all you know that all the the um, practice that um, church gives you. But how? To me, I know me personally, and you may not have went through this, but to me, as I got older, the following the musical dream started to be such a direct clash with my transness, my queerness, that it stopped being a dream anymore. Mm -hmm. And so tell me how that continued to grow in you and how you overcome overcame that um, particular obstacle. Like I said, when I was younger, I knew that the arts were my safe space, any kind of art. And so I made sure that I was an open vessel to try things out, 
I knew I was a natural dancer. I was, um, you know, in middle school, I was in the band. So the two main things that stuck out were I was always in band and I was always in choir. And so from middle school, even from elementary, they didn't really have like a, like in that format of type choir structure, choral structure, but going into high school, it was the, I was in band and I was in choir. And so I was, was doing some small pieces of um, plays and stuff like that in my um, hometown um, high school, Abraham Lincoln High School, LHS AM. And so um, having that experience in all those spaces allowed me to understand, like, oh, you have it. You just got to know how you want to hone it. You got to know how, where, know what areas you want to shine in. Because even in band, I was the head, um, I used to play the saxophone. I'm jealous <laughs> because my mama couldn't afford a saxophone and I wanted to play the saxophone so bad, but she couldn't afford it or rent it. Oh, I was so and bad. And you know, I ain't played it. I just like the way it looked. Yes. I, you know. I liked it cuz I cuz um Lisa Simpson played it. Oh. <laughs> and that too. And so I always think it was like before I knew what I would hear from saxophone it was like it was a freedom. You know, I heard saxophonists from jazz people and so they would just do all this and so I interpreted that as freedom. I was like, "Oh, well, shoot, this is the instrument I want to play." And so coming, I understood that. And then also I interpret that also with my voice. And so I realized the connection of that instrument and then my own instrument. And I was like, that was the, the way I navigated in that space with um, band as well as with choir. In choir, they knew that I had a unique um, sound. They knew that I could play, I could do all the parts um respectfully and they knew that naturally i could hear and sing and interpret music you know at a far greater rate than everybody else thankfully i was surrounded by other individuals who had that gift as well and so for that community and in high school we were known for our choir and for our band and so i excelled in both and so that was another way of um once again, we talk about the bigger picture of our queer space and how queer people usually have to be doing something. They have to do how they have to, you know, sing good. They have to direct the choir. They have to do, and then people be like, "Oh, okay, I won't see the other stuff that you do." And we we sometimes know that, but then I reg registered that at that time to like, "Oh, okay, well at least they won't bully me because they know I'm excelling in this." Like, so it was like a a bordering system per se at that time to say I'd rather you know me for this than to start questioning why I ain't never had a boyfriend or why I ain't never had a girlfriend or why ain't <laughs> you know at that time and so that's when I really started to hone my own things so I had that at school and then when I would get home it was where the imagination kicked in when I would hear certain voices on the radio certain voices on um, the TV, certain voices in movies that registered me for as singing, I'm like, oh, well, I can sing along right with them. Oh, okay, <laughs> All right, you can sing. I mean, so that was the space of navigating that and saying, oh, okay, wow, this is how this start. And it just came naturally. 
And so I wanted to make sure that I kept honing that. Um, and so that's what led me to start doing the internalized work. Okay, well, uniquely you have your own sound, your own voice, your own thing. Keep working on it because somebody, you're going to get to a place to where they're going to truly recognize that um, the masses and the community and people and all like that. So that's where I am today of like, no, all those predecessors and people that came before me as far as my inspirations, my school teachers, my choral instructors, my drama teachers, all those things played a part in understanding my gift as far as me vocally. I guess for myself, I grew up around um, great fucking singers. So I grew up with my cousin Kiki Wyatt. And anybody who knows Kiki know that bitch can blow out of her motherfucking mind. And it's, it's, it's fucking... It's on a whole other level. It ain't, you know what I'm saying? So it never was this moment of anybody around her who was also singers, you knew you couldn't sing like Kiki. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's, that bitch been a beast since, since fucking Yo. seven. She's been a beast. So... It, you really just got to learn how to get in where you fit in. How how does your voice, how, what's the harmonies you go do? What's the, how, how y'all going to do this? Fall in line. You know, fall in line. And so, but because, um, you know, once, you know, early on, you know, before you go through puberty, your voice, um, you know, you can do a lot more of the feminine stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to be able to hit the uh, Mariah Carey notes. I used to be able to uh, do that. But then once puberty hit, you it shifts, honey. Testosterone says, bop, 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 mink, 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 to the motherfucking vocal cords. <laughs> and, you know, you become, you have a, you have, you, you, you become unique. But also, because we are not trying to sound like a Gerald Avert. Or, uh, um, you know, sometimes, um, uh, you know, all these kind of very, very masculine, you know, even Luther Vandross sometimes, um, some of these very, very masculine singers, while they are amazing singers, as a queer boy coming up, I wasn't trying to mimic them. I was trying to mimic the Brandys, the the, the Kikis, the... Um, you know, the Karen Clark Shears, the Kimberrells, those are the, even the Anita Bakers and yes. Jill Scott's and uh, those people. So when you come up and even that part of your voice is being trained to do that, you have a very unique mixed feminine and masculine voice that you can pull from where, you know, I can, I can deliver a song in a very, very unique way that, you know, some other people can not. And so I had to learn how to accept that. And so how did you do that? I think it was those recognitions when I would hear the radio and interpret the song, just like I heard on the radio without um, restriction a restraint, not a, a strain on trying to reach. It was just that space of like, oh, and this was, this was, I think, like you said, with church upbringing, you stuck to tenor, alto, soprano. You, you, you didn't know how to bring on the uh, ad libs and the far as far as when we went far as when I was younger. 
we didn't necessarily say, oh, well, just do a rhyme. Or they dated at church where I was at, we didn't do that just yet. I think it's when I got into high school and they allowed us to really like um, showcase the uniqueness of our own signature voices is where I understood like, oh, I can do the Whitney Houston's. I can do the renditions of Anita Baker's song. I can do the renditions of, because it was always me. So I was like, like you, I don't want to do, I can recognize the male singers, respect for them. But my whole viewpoint was, okay, let me see what Anita going to do. Let me see what Whitney doing. Let me see, you know, what Patty doing. Let me see what all the counterparts are doing. If I can reach that, then I got a fighting chance. <laughs> so it was always in that space um, of just me, myself, recognizing that in my room, going over that, practicing over that, see how that feel, how that make me, and it felt good to me. And so that was the understanding of like, oh my God, like you got his voice. But, and then the great thing about that too is like, yes, my people, they're singers, but they didn't necessarily like help me cultivate my singing. They were inspiration because I saw them singing in the choir. I saw them, but they didn't sit down and say, let's have singing lessons every day. They didn't. They didn't do that with me. It was me um, recognizing that for my own self and saying, okay, well, let me watch Whitney. Let me watch um, Prince. Let me watch Michael Jackson. Let me watch Brandy. Let me watch Aaliyah. Let me watch all these people, you know, on my own merit to say, okay, if you want to be an artist, you have to be something like that. Or if somebody give you a mic, you better know what to do with it when they give you a mic. And you know, and, right. and so that's the thing that I I recognize now that I was always in training camp in my room. I had my TV at that time. My VCR player. I would record certain um, videos and stuff like that, and I would look at the videos or look at the live performances. And they know in my household that at a certain time you would hear that same structure of that uh, <laughs> recorded over and over again because I would be practicing live performing. I would be um, looking at the nuances of how Whitney stood and how when she wanted that vocal moment, she stopped everything else and she would make sure she centered so she could give you that vocal moment and then she'd go back to her two-step. Like she was, you know, it's just those general nuances of knowing how to navigate your vocal capacity and then also honing it and making it your own. And so that's why I'm thankful for that they allowed it, even though I don't know if they if they recognize it, but I recognize it that, that they allowed me space to actually cultivate it on my own. And so that's the beauty of my whole experience is that a lot of it was cultivated on my own so nobody can take it away from me. I remember my grandfather while he was you know like the patriarch he was also somebody that introduced me to other genres of music outside of um r&b outside of gospel he introduced me to the ladies of jazz um when we when we think about billy holiday sarah vaughn ella fitzgerald those people he introduced me to those people because my mama was a young hood chick. She was listening to Keith Sweat, Tupac, Public Enemy, hip hop greats. You get what I'm saying? And, you know, um, 
you know, R&B that was just kind of coming up and not like the old school. And so he introduced me to, um, you know, the jazz great. So it was interesting to hear how um, Sarah Vaughn turned a phrase, how the 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 different quality in um, in Billie Holiday's voice that didn't sound like other singers. And then Ella, just the skillfulness of her scatting and and, you know, just how she sounded like an instrument. And then. You get what I'm saying? And then I go, then I get, then I come into my teenage years and then I, I get introduced. This is also when the grunge and the alternative rock, the new alternative rock started to come up. So people like Alanis Morissette and how, how that, that Jagged Little Pill album was fucking, I don't, it just was crazy when it, oh. when it, when it came out. And so for me, especially for my pen gang, I'm a songwriter. I love writing songs. So the way she conveyed some of the pain in her youth, some of the yes. just circumstances with men and all the things that she was growing up dealing with at that time, that fucking album is one of the greatest albums of my particular life, along with some of, you know, the, the black greats and you get what I'm saying? Right. So, so for me, and then I'm, we, we from the South, so we are not separated from country music. Unlike when you, when you, um, uh, you know, I grew up up North, but my family from the South. So be, listening to country music was total, normal for us so hearing reba mcintyre hearing um you know winona judds the the judds and um you know patsy klein and hearing some of these and dolly parton and hearing some of these great country artists was not abnormal to my family so mm-hmm. whereas whereas some people they like oh that's white people music i'm like no 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 no, baby these bitches can blow you tripping and then you come then you fast forward to you know the dixie chicks coming up so i had all of yeah. these influence outside of my normal you know r&b gospel vibe that i normally have tell me about your influences coming up and you know outside of gospel r&b the typical stuff that you know that you would think that we do who are some of your influences outside of that so of course it was in the classical space um i recognize the freedom in classical music and recognize the history of it and it just was mesmerizing to me of like wait so people used to just come to this place at that time it wasn't a symphony hall you know what i'm thinking about way back when and i was like people would sit and just listen to the um structured pieces of music then add on voice then add on theater, then add on. And so that's the thing really struck me with classical music. I love the avant-garde, eclectic vibe of jazz music and the stuff that was not stuff that you would hear like played on jazz radio and all that kind of stuff. It was just like those really elongated, elongated, improvised structure pieces of music that you would know that this person um really was freestyling and they was doing it with their instrument yes and so um of course the beginnings you always built it in gospel and r&b and all that stuff but it was more so me doing the research with classical 
more so me doing the research with um at that time i was a big of course it was earlier but at, the, at that time i was a big fan of shania twain and i just understood like how she merged pop but kept it with that twain but at the same time she kept her femininity and then she still adhered to the queer space and it was all this stuff it, like just Ooh, it just like enthralled me and made me so so it, um wanted to explore more. One of my major outside of black um influences is Celine Dion. Like Beast. when you're talking about learned and knew the assignment and know the assignment, like she's gonna stand there and give you a vocal. She's gonna stand there and give you a presentation to say, Did you understand what I just did with my voice? Did you understand why I held that note that long? Did you understand why I flipped it with why I'm giving you why I'm giving you this this Melissa Mo baby? <laughs> I gave you that pure tone for 10 seconds and 20 seconds and then go into a run because I know that's what's gonna get some of my people come on. <laughs> but it right. was beauty, yes, it was a beauty of understanding. The certain nuances, and you spoke to like Sarah Vaughan when I first heard Sarah Vaughan, I was just like the deepness, the deepness, the sort of the rasp, sort of the um, taking your time. Like she didn't care if her song was eight minutes or whatever her interpretation of the song was eight to ten minutes. She gonna sit and work that thing out, and so I that made me recognize. Okay, you can have a radio sound but then when you get in a live space you know you have to certain put add certain things to it then if you go to a intimate concert setting you know that you can add some instrumentation or some um improvisation to it to where those people will understand oh no this bitch just don't sing it right oh no she's not you know you know for the people who are differentiated in that so I have sections understanding how we navigate in music is like they'll be like oh just because you're pretty or just because you you could do a two-step or just because you can you don't you don't know nothing about improvisation you don't know nothing about uh writing your own music and it's like no bitch get me in that motherfucking room get me in that space give me all those opportunities that I can show you what just what I do outside of you Having a bias towards me because I am an open black trans woman, and so mm -hmm. that's what I pride my training in. Is like, yeah, I already know you probably gonna have certain biases towards me because of how I show up. That's not my stuff, but I bet you me if you give me that mic or if you give me that platform or if you give me that time and that ten minute segment to do what I need to do. Oh, I'm gonna change some parts of mind because I'm like, oh my god, like oh. Oh, she like that. And I'm like, yes, I'm like that. And so that's the space that I was more so particularly attracted to was the classical opera space and understanding like certain power in how you would project and how you would just give that note the, the space that it needs and understand the nuance and the subtlety of jazz um, presentation. Then, of course, going into that soul-stirring type thing when it comes to gospel, you know, understanding how you will show up in your hip-hop. It's just about the nuance and the cadence of it. It's like that's the... When I really sit back and look at it, I'm like, oh, my God, I've been, tra I've been trained all my life to show up how I show up for myself. And my heart.
some of the artists that um you know we name an artists that are kind of like you know cisgender what are some queer influences that you had so for me i'm good you know and and this is somebody who when i listen to you i hear and i don't know if this is i hope this is not offensive but i don't think it will be but i hear sylvester in your voice when I when I hear a recording of you, I'm like, you know, not all songs, but it's certain. But particularly, what's that first song on the EP? Um, soul, 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 baby. When I when that first came, I'm like, oh, this is giving like if Sylvester was in, um, was doing a neo soul album, baby. This yeah. is what it's giving me. And so that is somebody who it really, really influenced me and growing up. And, you know, people, I I knew, I felt that he was queer, even though he was closeted, that damn Luther. <laughs> <laughs> that damn Luther. When we think about um, Michelle Indio Cello, yes. when we think about, um, you know, people don't talk about him. People don't talk about her that much, and I and I apologize for misgendering her in this moment. But when I'm I'm thinking about my past, and so mm-hmm. back in the day, she hadn't transitioned at this point. But um, the lead singer in um, Anthony and the Johnson, um, Anthony Haggerty, there she is now trans. And okay. and she she's from England and she um she trans she moved here to the United States in 1981, which is my birth year. And she yeah. um and she was one of the first trans artists who I was like, oh, you you actually and it was way early on, like 90s, 2000s. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you out here singing with synth um symphonies and you just really out here. And um most recently. Uh, she did this sickening ass version of Beyonce's Crazy in Love. But wow. in her way, I, I'm going to have to send it to you. She fucking Please. killed it. She fucking killed it. And so she's she's about 50 years old. She's been around in a long time. And so I want to hear about who are some of your queer influences when it comes to musicality and why. Of course I would recognize that. I don't want to be disrespectful to their artistry, uh, but I knew I wasn't that, but I still recognized that it was art. So that in that space, it was the first thing I recognized was RuPaul. Facts, facts, bitch. Facts. Can't take it away. You better work. It wasn't my team, but we know what it was. <laughs> I felt the, I felt the, when I, the visual. And then when I heard that they could keep a note, when I heard that they understood like the certain nuances and playing with the vibe, and I was like, oh, okay. And once again, you know, I, I'm like, I don't know because they're not here. Um, but I looked at Prince as one of those queer influences. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it scared me. I remember my first visceral reaction of like. When I saw, I think it might have been Kiss. But like the one visual of what I first saw, or heard anything about um, Frank, I saw Kiss. Then I was like, wait, wait. And so I had to make sure I was looking at the video again. Like, wait, 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 but is that what? 
Okay, but yeah, mine was Prince. This nigga running around with Apollonia child, and I'm looking like you is trying to be girl. What? <laughs> I got it. Did it confused me? But I was like, mm, it confused okay. me, but it like made me want to know more, right? Because it also in the same like vein of complexion. I was like, well, is that how people look at me? You know, and I was like, is that it? What they talking about about what I'm gonna grow up to be? And, you know, I, <laughs> and then I was like, it's undeniable that they can see God. It's undeniable that they are showstoppers. And so I was like, okay, well, if anything, let me do my research. And then when Sylvester, when I started getting into Sylvester, I was like, oh, so this is Um, I think if I when I think about artists that really 
stood out, like really stood out. I named a few earlier, but another one's as you're speaking, Katie Lang, um, mm. Melissa Eldridge, Etheridge, or ain't that how you say it? Um, even, even I wouldn't, well, she queer now, but at the time I registered her as queer, the brat. Um, the brat was somebody who, you know, it was actually the first album that I bought with my rap album that I bought with my own money. The Functified album, so, so Functified. That that album was the first album I bought with my own money because she was so this masculine girl. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that was gender bending. And although she wasn't out and queer, I was reading her as queer down. Um, another person who was doing something unique for me that um, was getting, pushing pushing the envelope in, in how um, R&B guys can present themselves that motherfucking Rasan Patterson. Rasan oh. Patterson really, you know, I pick I, I I picked up queerness from him and he is a queer man, but even though he wasn't publicly out, just how he presented, he was somebody who um, you know, I just immediately um was like, oh, this is a queer guy. Like he, mm -hmm. like he's giving me that kind of vibe. And so just the way he sings, remember what I what I was talking about earlier, how there is a way that when when you are a biological male voice that yes. has been influenced by girls, we sound a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so in the in that in that regards, I could hear it in how he sings and how he interprets a song. He does not mind playing up in the raptures and giving <laughs> you a sickening falsetto and, you know, doing something that is unique in a, in a more soft and feminine way that other male singers, they didn't do that. They want to sound like the Gerald Leverts and the that deep baritone masculine or even a masculine tenor is very yeah. seldomly that you're going to um, they're not going to be playing in their falsetto in a certain kind of way. Only person that, that I know personally that um, that I think kind of that kind of straddles that line if it would you would be like a usher. Um, you get what I'm saying? It's still on that masculine level, but he plays with his falsetto and plays with his riffs, riffs and runs in a way that is kind of unique to Usher. Um, you know, and of course, nowadays we have more. So, like when you think about Avery Wilson, when you think about you know, Michael Gilgore, yeah, those people. But back in the day, like '90s, '80s, um, for us growing up. The, the dudes weren't trying to they were trying to sound like teddy pendergrass yeah. they were trying to they was it was a masculineness to it that they that they were doing and even right. when they were even when they were trying to do that falsetto it was mimicking like um you know like a prince it was really adore you it was it was it, it was giving you the balau it was giving you the d'angelo it's giving you the mm. maxwell which is which were amazing voices, but it still didn't have the feminine the quality. Of the, mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. and so th that was somebody. Those were some of the people resigned. Um, the brat that you know that my queerness really just was like peaked and was like, oh, okay, well I can do shit this way. And so, um, me watching you for the first time, the first time that I actually watched you perform. Um, was I was hired to host 
with T.S. Madison, um, the Transgender District Winter Gala. And I was able to see you perform at that. Then um, to see you when I saw you live, the very first time that I saw you live, um, we were, I was, you were hired to um, perform at um, House of Tulip. They threw like a um, summer concert in New Orleans that you performed. And that was my first time seeing you live. The vibe was fire. Love that, love that, love that. Um, And so seeing uh, a trans woman, now this is me. I come, I'm a little bit older than you. How old are you? I'm 40. Oh, we the same age. Oh, bitch, girl, child. We the same age. So me coming up, I was always scared because I'm trans. I always, trans was always an obstacle. I was all, and anytime I would try to pursue some type of music situation, I would come across predators, just like cisgender girls when it comes to, you know, oh, I'll let you come record in my studio and da, 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 da. I ain't even going to charge you, but honey, when I get in there, honey, you trying to have, you ain't even focused on the music that I'm trying to do. You ain't even focused on nothing. You trying to get me just to come into, just to come. So I'm not charging you like the rest of the trans girls that's, fucking trying to charge you and so it would never pan out until something good then i met this white dude who let me come when i first when i came to houston back in 2012 2013 he actually was not on no sexual bullshit and he let me come and record some songs and that was a wonderful experience but then his ass moved to california so i couldn't really get him like um like i wanted to and so it was always it, it was always like a dream deferred for me. I always, you know, I've always been a songwriter. I've always been a singer and I've always, always created. So seeing somebody like you, um, Shia Diamond, um, Jayla you know, yeah, Jayla Sims, when she won the P Diddy mm-hmm. thing. Yes. Seeing y'all out here doing your thing. It really just kind of, put a new life in my creativity and my confidence in my voice. And I was like, oh, these girls are really out here doing it. So seeing you perform was so amazing to me. So tell me about how, you know, you see yourself as a groundbreaking artist. Tell me how, um, how, how is it navigating the artistry, navigating your artistry, navigating the industry as a black trans woman? What are some of the obstacles? What's happening? Woo. Um, <laughs> I just love how you bring it to it to that point and then viewing that because as you speak, I'm just I'm I'm looking at all of the experiences in your words of like, oh my God. And so that goes back to like I said, I've always been trained. I was always in training. At that time it was just a training aspect of just being an artist. As I got older and understanding more of my presentation, I knew I had to extend my training. And so I knew that this would get me in the room. That's before I even I knew it. I knew the levels of passability. I knew the levels of um, my words, my mouth, my intellect would get me in the room. In those rooms, particularly talking about music spaces. Because that's the other challenging thing is that they don't necessarily like a strong, independent black woman in the music space. And so I had to then recognize that as well. Like, we're gonna 
Are you going to be docile or are you just going to go politely but respectfully bust through that door and be like, well, look, this is who I am and this is what I bring and this is and so for So for that, I always leave with my talent first and foremost in anything that I navigate in the music industry, in the music entertainment industry. You're going to see that talent is there. And so my job is to if you see the talent, but then you saying, oh, I don't know if I can fuck with her because she's trained. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can give her that studio time while working on it because she trains. I'm gonna make you see that bias to understand, oh well, everybody else got that thing. And I can say not to put it in that space of everybody else got that thing, but it's like, well, if you could mess with them and give them opportunities, and you know that I'm not hurting or harming anybody, all I wanna do is um get after my dream. And you are that person who possibly might be a gatekeeper or a person uh, who has that um, access to power to then help me um, advance my dreams. And then you say, oh, no, just because of my existence, I say to turn away and look away, even though you understand that I'm talented than a motherfucker, even though you understand that I could vocally be in the same spaces as everybody else that are known to be vocalists and singers and stuff like that. So it's just because of my trans identity. And so that's the thing that I knew when taking upon this journey. I'm glad that I got that also that understanding of the higher education in my HBCU Dilly University out of New Orleans, Louisiana, that that was the focus of me um, with my degree. I got my degree in business management and music. And so it showcased you being in the studio, you being um, looking at different documents regarding how you show up and knowing how to write different contracts or knowing how to ask for what you want for your writers, knowing how, all these certain things that as an independent artist I use now, you know, in regardless of how I'm getting booked, how I, you know, show up, my presentation, what I want for my show, how I want, what can I execute in that time and manner. And so um, all that came from knowing that I was different, knowing I was going to be a proud black trans woman, knowing that I wasn't going to sugarcoat that, knowing that I was going to go through those doors, because I look at, and that's once again going back to RuPaul, like, of course, you started with music, but you were the Black trans woman. And we didn't, at that time, I didn't know. I could not have the wherewithal to pull up. I didn't have access either to, because of course, younger, to pull up, to search for any example in it. And so with that knowing, I was like, fuck, this means I got to do this by myself. Like, they already going to not, Give me space. I can't go to the black people. I can't go to the white people. I can't go. To, so I got to make sure that I, as best as I can, show up for myself in presentation, in vocal ability, in talent, so that when I do get a lot of whatever opportunity, they're going to be like, oh, oh, she good. And so that was the, that's the thing that I've always kept centered in this journey. And I'm thankful that everything that everyone can see has been brought to me or I have navigated organically. But I, I, but I do know that once I'm in that room, it's time to get to work. It's time for me to allow you to check your biases to understand, well, why is it taking me so long when I have everything else that everybody else has for us to get on in the music industry or to get that um mentor who is already a Grammy Award winner, who is already at a number one, who has already wrote for any and everybody. Why can't you allot me those opportunities? And most of the time it's always because of how I show up. And they don't tell me that. They show me that. Mm. So independent 
independently, I knew, okay, mama, you gotta have a you have a you gotta have resources to provide you um the capital to keep invested in your dream. You gotta make sure that when you put stuff out, it is of quality. And so it has to match the people who have the majors. And so that's what I'm always envisioning, even though I don't let it get to me as much, but I'll make sure that. When you pull up Never in the Nina and you see that the, the single title, it's going to give you, oh, we swore on our team for marketing. Or who made it, or who did this for this video? It's like, yes, that's what I'm making sure that until that time comes and I have that team who understands the vision and wants to join along with that, I make sure that I'm representing for the actual child who was just like me in that, in that room who didn't see an example of a black trans woman literally singing with a live mic. Right. Live. On. <laughs> <laughs> on. Mic on and what? up. <laughs> so um so not only is it was it like predators, but it was like almost like as an artist you forced to be independent because nobody mm-hmm. wanna um take a chance on you mm-hmm. as a trans artist. Yeah, if you a drag queen maybe if you are um closeted gay man, sure, maybe we can do that. But um, but you trying to be a woman, nah, we ain't we can't take that, we can't do that. <laughs> and then um uh because you know the artist, the um the business is about money, and mm-hmm. so you know, it's like mm, how are we gonna get a return on this investment if motherfuckers is judging you as a trans woman? And y'all, if you talk about uh if you listen to y'all trans women, y'all always talk about people judging y'all and da 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 da. So how is this gonna be lucrative for me if I invest it? And so, you know, uh it's always it's always an obstacle for me when I when I think about um when I'm it's always not, I'm sorry. It's always obvious to me when I see the artist that has been out here. When when did um Jayla um win the Diddy? That was almost 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, when I when I think of now, don't get me wrong, she done did a she done got Grammy, she done wrote for Faith and t- tons of other people. She's, oh, she's in her career. She's in her career. Yes. But we know she's a beast and why is she you know not headlining all the motherfucking prides why is she not you get what i'm saying there even in our own spaces people are not giving us chances speak on it speak on it not giving us opportunities now look i saw you be performing because a trans woman Arya saeed and mariah um from house of tulip they created this platform for all these trans artists you know but we've been around here it's a lot of us been around and doing we our started it. We yeah. started it. so why are we not being headliners and being put on the stage and and um and all that kind of stuff Unless we're, meh, and then it's like, and then we we also get pigeonholed too because a lot of when they do give us a chance, we gotta do fucking dance music. We gotta do you those type of thing. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, uh, oh, like we know. gotta vogue. We gotta. Uh, yeah. it gets real weird. And that's what for me. I always made sure that I look in that aspect. I looked at my R&B soul pop counterparts. I look at my people across the board of like, oh, what are they doing? You know, one of my major, you know, influences, of course, you know, has been for a minute is Jasmine Sullivan. And I'm like, 
she's already setting herself up, has already set herself up to be a pillar in the structures of musicality, leading with the pen, leading with the vocal, and leading with the pen. And so that was, I made, I made sure, because of course, being a, you know, at that time, just a, a child didn't know how to fully voice myself like you, I understood my pen. I understood my thought process. I understood, I literally thought that what I was hearing melody-wise in my mind, that all singers hear that. I was like, oh, that's because you're singing here. And then when somebody, when I was in the studio one time, and somebody said, how you coming with these, like, structures and all that sounds like, I was like, well, you don't hear that? You know, as a singer, you don't hear that? And they was like, no. If I would hear it, I wouldn't ask you. And I was <laughs> I recognized then, like, oh, this is uniquely a part of my gift that I know how to interpret. I can hear one line of a melody, and then I can add a hook to that. And then I could, I could hear a conversation, or I could bring back a conversation that I uh, remembered and then word it freshly to that melody line and then jazz it up because I can stack, because I can do different parts, because I can it was all that stuff that I was thought university that everybody could do and then when I really sat because once again my people did not, they understood that I was a singer but they did not enforce or really really dive deep into like per se, oh, I'm gonna get you in the vocal training. I'm gonna get you in the it wasn't nothing. If my training was in school choir, in a church choir, you know, in my own time, and then I expanded it on my own merit. And so I would always think like, well, 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 well it, did they do that because they knew I was different? And it was just like, oh child, I'm not gonna invest too much in it because I don't know how they're going to show up. And, you know, it was just all that stuff that come into question. But at the same time, I'm still going to choir practice. I'm still trying out for this thing. I'm still reaching out to this person. I think far as not presently, that's, that's why everything I've been a part of, it was because of this and his mouth. And it was mm -hmm. like because of, you know, hey, you're going to see me. And you're going to recognize that these people have been out here paving the way. You know, even before me, they have some dope queer artists that we now just are finding out, even in our own space. And go back what you were saying, like, even in our own spaces, the LGBTQIA plus spaces, and, you know, we have this amazing community of, you know, uh, all these pride circuits and all this stuff. That should be the main, one of the main breads and avenues for queer artists, our own, but we always are catering the people in the power and positions are catering towards that cis head normality of always getting these big artists. Okay, you gotta get the big artists, but they don't. They only come there for the check. I'm in community, and so what you will do and build within me is that I will always go out and be that advocate. I would always be out there, go out there, and go out and be that person to say, "Hey, you know that trans person is looking at TV or looking at." On the digital spaces, and on Stephen Rivers, I'm, I'm, I know that I can be there, and I know I am there for the individual because it wasn't there for me. And so I just, it's always battling in this journey because that's what I battle with. Like, 
I've worked hard to be everything that um, in this industry but that you have to be, you know, media training, uh, vocal ability, talent, know how to put yourself together, professionalism, all these things. But the one thing that I cannot change, they don't even verbally tell me that they're shunning me for it. They show me because they know. They'll come in my DMs and say, oh, you are a great artist. But I'm like, but aren't you, don't you know that radio is in New York to put my music in the, play, in the playlist? If you, if I'm so if that if it touched you so much, can't you just tell your friend like it did for you years ago to say, oh well, add this song, well, listen to this song, and and yes, certain people show up for me in that capacity, but at the same time, I know some don't is because I show up as a powerful black trans woman. Another element that I and I gotta shine a light on us as artists too like i don't think we collab with each other enough mm. i think everybody is trying to be a beyonce and not pulling together and doing like i would love to i would love to hear you and jayla on the song i would love to um see just all the art, all the you, uh, shit, you, Shayla, and um, Shea Diamond, uh, like, oh, I feel like that'll fucking be so fucking hard. And so I, what I'm seeing is I know y'all are out here grinding and doing your thing, but even if it's just doing, you know, music with each other, I feel like that is not being done enough mm -hmm. um, because, like I said, everybody trying to be Beyonce. And so instead of collaboration and creating pooling everybody's resources to create because look because i was about to say that I was about to <laughs> you know what i'm saying what if everybody pulled their resources to have a um to have an in vogue moment or a fucking you remember a, a moment where you know where it's not necessarily a group but it's a group project where yes. like, like dolly parton and um Emma Lou Harris and um, Linda Rice I did back in the day where they were all separate artists, but they did a whole trio album where it was just them and they were all shining on the fucking whole project. And so why is shit like that not happening? I think, well, I know personally, I'm glad you said it because me and Jayla do have stuff in the works. Um, and the great thing about that is that I've always been open to collaboration me and my other friend, Tayana, is a wonderful artist out here on the West Coast, Tayana Trends. We have some songs together that came out. I work with King David um, as a feature artist with his stuff, as you know. So I'm always open with, you know, my brother, High Sizzle, um, bounce, bounce artist in um, New Orleans. I've been on his stuff. like So I'm always open to collaboration. But I also do know, for me, because I've always had to, and I don't, and not to say that nobody else was having a Beyonce moment in that space, but I just know for me personally, I've never had my own unique safe space. And so every time I bring something out personally, like which is so important about this EP is that it was all from here and here. It had been waiting and building up and I finally found the right space to and I didn't want any distraction. I didn't want, you know, and so I just registered the work that I had to do, but I also paid attention to say, hey, if this is your first go-round, you want to make sure that it's all you 
so they can understand who you are as an artist, who you are as a songwriter, who you are as a uh, performer, who you are as a thing. So I get that. But I also balance that out with I'm always open to collaboration if it fits right. You know what I'm saying? Because my work ethic, my go get it might not be for everybody. Because I'm a Virgo. If I tell you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I don't do it, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to show you after the day because I already made up in my mind and my heart that this is what I want to do. So great, thankfully, gratefully, is that I have this manifested project, which is the embodiment, one of the, one of the embodiments of who I am and show up, how I show up as an artist with this EP. And even the rollout, like when you look at it, it's my first single that I ever put out, that one, into now this is my first EP present, like structure-wise, visual-wise, um, vocal-wise, it's in alignment to, for me, of how the rollouts would be with, if they had the big machine behind them, visually how it would look, aesthetically how it would look, like, it's professional enough to be like, this, okay, it's gonna play this, but right? Because that's what was so beautiful to me when my friends would support me and the people who would support me, they was, they were singing the things of how they would hang it next to the, the established artist in that space. And I'm like, bitch, right? you can't tell me that don't look good next to my motherfucking Mariah Carey cover. You can't <laughs> tell me that don't look good next to that John Legend cover. You can't tell me. And then they press play and jamming it. And I'm like, wow, that does something to my spirit because I remember that little child in that room just saying, one day, one day I'm gonna get in the class. I'm gonna get in the group. Just so I can get in the group. Let me get in the group. Let me show that example of like, we can do it. We don't have to like, but like I know that they've always wanted us to do it. It don't have to just be in dance. It don't have to just be in ED. It don't have to be that. It could be R&B and soul because we know those individuals existed in that space. And so that's why I always challenge myself when I would uh, be at home of like, no, baby, you give me a mic and then turn it on. Or you give me somebody with a piano or a little electric guitar like everybody else gets who are soul space singers. I'll battle you. Not even battle. I'll stand next to you and hold my own. And so mm. that's what I take with me in my artistry of like, no, this is mine. So let's talk about the EP. So yeah. this EP is a very soulful EP and it's called Present. And it has five songs on it. It is soul, some fun, um, tell me, shake it, inspiration. My favorite song on the EP is Tell Me. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite song. Um, I do love soul. I do love the um the inspiration, just, just how you the because I'm you know I'm a chamber singer type ass bitch. And so <laughs> when people do those type of things where you know one one part is doing this, one part is doing that, and it's coming together <laughs> like a coral, that's my shit. So yeah, that's my sick. And so um, I thought that was beautiful, especially you're giving honor to some of those artists that yes. influenced you, that influenced me. And I was like, oh, I love that she's doing this. So tell me about um you know, just 
how did you get in that space to create this and, you know, birthing this out? What was the inspiration for some of the numbers? And, you know, tell me about it. Yes, I knew that thank you for just, uh, uh, especially for someone who is musically inclined and as their own artist, it's, it does wonders to the soul to hear that how people take it in and interpret it in their own space. And I give them freedom to, do, freedom to do that. And that's the wonderful thing about when you know your job is done, when you know you have done your best and you let it, you give it to the world. It's like, oh no, baby, I know I showed up for myself in this project because baby, by the reaction of what people tell me, not just on the mirror that they know me, just saying, oh my God, I like that. That's not good. Ooh, that's a banker. I like that. And so for me, it, it was, and it's there the ish. I'm going to get personal in that, but he's more personal. It was the anxiety of believing that I would never have an opportunity to even bring this forth. Mm. I was thinking my, the time, the lifetime clock is running out. I'm going to get murdered. Mm. I'm gonna be, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I'm like, girl, you need to do not rushing God, but just I was, I was in this. I had my blinders on of like, I gotta get this out, gotta get this out. And some of those songs were maybe some of the lyrical um, structures were already there in my archive. I just didn't have a place to, a safe space to build them out. And so that meant the lyrical structure and what I want to talk about, all that kind of stuff. The melody was there always in my archives, but I just didn't have time or a safe space once again to build it out. I found that, I sent that out in the universe to say, God, this is what I'm looking for. I'm going to find maybe somebody most definitely film presenting in the, in the, in the queer space producer-wise, co-production-wise, and I found that with the, with the individual, that they're in the queer space, Black, and um, they recognize what I want to do, and they signed on to help me bring that forth. And so it was a, I think we spent maybe the latter part of that 2019 of really hauling it out every weekend or every day when I get off of work or when I would, you know, when I would have free time, we would set up studio time and we would hash out the creation and the production and how what I'm what I'm envisioning, what their interpretation is. But I always want to have a co-collab. I, I was I'm always inspired by the Misty and the Tim's, the Sean and the production company. The, you know, I'm always inspired by that. And so that's what I was really looking for to hear how somebody's thought process of when I brought them that melody show to say, well, have you ever thought about that way? And I was like, oh, it might work that way. You know, and so we would build upon, you know, and so I found a producer of a reality out here in LA and they have their own unique sound. And we just collabed with um, some of the foundational things that I had and we came and built that out. And then um, that was the process. And just really making sure that I shown up in all of it and was the center of that. Because I know for, for some of us in that space, we kind of like close in, but it's like, oh shit, now I got to really be vulnerable in expressing the truth of my existence. And so what you hear in every song, in every interpretation is me. 
the source. That's why I say is so that I, I'm the source because it comes from me. And so everything that that person hears is what I had already interpreted to interpret it in my mind and my spirit. And then I gave it. Thankfully, I had a safe space to help interpret that messaging so that when you hear that first wrong on song, you're like, oh, shit. You know, and then that when you hear the beat structure, the four beat intro structure is paying homage to Pharrell because that's how he always opens his own some fun. And then, you know, on Tell Me, I wanted to use that um, island thing, but keep it hip hop, but keep it more so infused jazz component, um, but still pay homage to me. That reminded me of Jasmine Sullivan's I Need You Bad. So I wanted to play upon that in a side of and just paying respect. Um, like you said, that interlude, that interlude, I had had it for maybe in my archive. I think maybe over 10 years. The way they came in was the way they influenced me. Of course, we know Erica started that whole thing of like, and of course, of course, Texas, of course, like how interconnected I understood this woman. And at that time, she infused all that stuff. And so when I heard that, boom, 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 Right. You know, you can flow, you can rap over there, you can sing over there, you can improv over there. And so that's what influenced me when I heard it. So I wanted to pay homage. And then when you heard the sensuality of motherfucking Jill Scott, and you knew, I was like, oh my God, is this woman talking? She just, she just made me. Forget this, you know, and also Jill incorporated when we, we we talked about earlier how we had those like classical influence. Jill don't mind giving you an operatic too, baby. She don't mind. She's gonna give you that soulful. She's gonna give you that um that wordsmith. She's gonna give you that lyric. I love a bitch that can write who got a pin game. That's why um um Jill uh, um um Jasmine Sullivan is one of my favorites because yeah. I'm way more prouder of being a writer and what I create what my lyrical content is because as a person who is going to speak to the experience of trans people unless it's us writing our story yeah we can kind of write songs that purposely say oh well we don't want to talk about um you know stuff like this cuz that kind of alienate us but who is going to write about our experience and how can we do it in a way that's relatable to all of people just like yes. you know every i don't i don't write songs um i don't when i when i, I don't know shit about Alanis Morissette's um life other than what she told me but i still related to her songs i'm not some white woman from canada but be, mm -hmm. how she delivered the song was such um relatable um in 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 her writing and i'm like how can i do that still being true to my transness and still um you know creating this mo creating this moment of relatability without um totally like selling out and just being too clean and too you know what i love yes. about your what i love about your writing is that it gives um i can i can I can visualize my own personal experience as a trans woman in what you're talking about. Yeah. When you're talking about getting the rug burns on your knees and when we <laughs> when we talk about, you know, all these kind of things that, um, you know, a nigga, you told you, 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 
you said you did you said you that nigga uh, so show me like how, show but me. now when you now now when you That's alone with me it's a whole different situation i gotta be the aggressor i now you shy now you scared you know those little moments of of truth and you know that's what i loved about about the album and about um what you brought forth in it um let me ask you some questions about your delivery yes and so when i listen to you i hear a very agile falsetto mm -hmm. and you seem to stay in that pocket and so is that intentional or because I, and this is not saying that you're doing it, but I know me when I was coming up creating, creating, I would be like, Ooh, my voice is too low. It, 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 somebody might think I sound like a man and da, 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 da. So maybe if I just always sing in my falsetto, then, you know, it would be soft enough to be palatable. Why do you choose to deliver your, your songs in that kind of, in the, in that more agile fa falsetto place in your voice? Why is that a conscious decision? I think I've always known that it was more relaxed for me to explore that space. In my, in that lower register, because you can go there, I have freedom to go there in a certain capacity. But how I've always known it from my adolescence to where I'm at now, that part has never changed. Like when we talk about the break and the, you know, all that type of stuff that, that's why I kind of, I have a pushback. And of course, at that time, they based it on it coming from the male perspective of like, oh, that's a false, it's less than, it's like, you know, and, it, and so that, that also triggered me in how I showed up in my identity. But it's like, well, girl, how do y'all take Number one, you a trans woman, which means they go already view you as a false woman. Then you go start singing in this voice naturally that you have space to you as easy. It goes rocking in this baritone. <laughs> or then you can, because for me, going into the lower range is more forceful of trying to reach, even with all the studying. And so that's why I was like, well, girl, you should do. And then in, in understanding it, I said, fuck it all. You do what naturally freely comes from you. And so I know uniquely the way my voice is supported in the, in the meat of it, in the middle, you know, people perceive it as false, if that's, if that, whatever that is to them. But I just know my, if, it, if in that case, my false is like nobody else's fault. So the thing that I naturally can do, the, the range of right. where I can go and intertwine my low levels is the freedom that I've just always known. And so I had to get out of the structured definition of what they say. Oh, well, this is all, this is compartment and confinement that you can only express this in that space. Or this is the And I was like, well, fuck all that. If it feels good to me, I can do it. I can support it and it feels good to me and how I show up, then that's why, that's why I deliver in that way. And it was more so from that space of the classical space of like understanding because I was trained as a counter-tenor. That's the other gotcha. thing. Right. I was trained as a counter-tenor um, in my undergraduate space. And I was like, well, no, child, I'm not about to be no counter-tenor because clearly, <laughs> You're already policing me and how I show up as this kind of thing. And yes, it might be lucrative, yeah, but that's still not, I'm not playing. No, I'm not playing in that game. So 
I knew I had to break away from those type of specific titles and understanding of what y'all not me. I know I can reach those notes. You allow me to reach those notes, I'm going to reach those notes. And so that was my way of advocating for myself. And then I would always challenge people when they say, oh, well, you use your false title a lot. And I was like, what's, what's false about it? You know, I would always have that pushback. It's like, yes, that was the term. And, everything. you know, understanding those type of things. I was like, well, no, I'm uniquely. There's certain limits that you hear with false titles that I know that child, I run circles around. And it's like, I don't even want to be in that space. I'm like, no, you break away from that and you just deliver your song or you deliver your interpretation or you deliver your voice uniquely how God wanted because that's what they gave to me. And so that's why, you know, even if, you know, if it's a choice, yes. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, no, it, 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 that's what uniquely has always felt comfortable since I was an adolescent to where I'm at. Now, it, that has not changed. Mm-hmm. Of course, it gets stronger. Of course, it gets, you know, you're, you're able to learn more and change yourself more. But that's always been the foundation. Mm, well, like you said, it, it you wear it out. Whatever whatever the <laughs> voice you're serving, it is given what needs to be gave. <laughs> so before we close out, I uh-huh. want to I want to ask you one last question. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. I want you to tell me who would be your dream collaborations. Who are some of your, if you just on an artistry level now, of course, you know, you, it, if you want to make some coins, you will pick Beyonce and you know, not that she's not a great artist, but on an artistry level, who you think that you would just make uh, an amazing song with amazing collaboration with give me okay. three people. Three people. <laughs> Give me three people that you. Artist or producer? Oh, I Give me. Okay. Give me two artists and one producer. Woo. Um. Of course, most definitely Brandy. Brandy. Of course. The vocal um, bible. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, major influence to me. Um, the other person. Oh my god. Producer-wise, knew I would want to be in the D-Mile camp. D-Mile, oh my God, what he's doing with Lucky Day, what he's doing with Victoria Monet, what he's mm-hmm. doing with, like, he understands how to craft that sound around that artist. And I'm just like, yo, if I would get in this fucking studio and y'all got chills, like, if I get in the studio with that man, and he get me in front of that mic, like I know he would be like, "What the fuck?" You know, that's just my ambition for that. Other artists, mm-hmm. I would definitely probably say Kanye. I would definitely want to work with Jasmine. I definitely want to work with Jasmine because I just know I got that agility, that fluidity, so where I could, of course, do me. I'm not saying that I would even compete. I was just saying I can stand next to it. Right. And so that's the understanding like, oh, no, no, no. Let me get in there. Let's craft this thing. Let's see how this goes. So currently, those two, as far as they have, of course, the respect for Brandy, but then, of course, the freshness and the new, the way she writes, the way she plays on the cadence for Jasmine, the way that I just, I love it. And D-Mouse production is just, mwah. Yeah. 
Well, I want to thank you for your time. You are definitely inspiration for me. I think you are an amazing artist. I love hearing your voice. I am always going to, as soon as you drop something, I'm buying it. Soon as yeah. I'm just, I'm sharing it. It's just, that is, that is who I am. But I, it ain't just me trying to, you know, stay in the in what's happening in the it crowd just because I, I have a media platform. It is because as an artist myself and as a trans singer myself, seeing somebody out here fucking doing it, it is beautiful to me and I love it. Thank you so much for your existence. And I, I, I thank you so much for continuing being that influence and continue like paving the way. Like I, I always make sure that I love what I do. I love my community. I love the intersections of it all. I love our blackness because we can only do it. Black people only do it just how we do it. And right. the specialness of being black and queer and being black and like, you know, for some other, it's like we still have a certain genetic of how we show up in everything we do. And so I just, like you said, I'm just so inspired to see what's coming for, I say the dolls in, in 2022 and beyond because we're seeing now that that door is widening. But that space is being open. And I know that even in the music space, that's what I want to champion because I know my life is that I want to see that Grammy Award winning artist that just like I want to see what's happening in the in the actress space with the trans women happening in the artist space. (laughs) And I know that not a lot has been championed in that space. And so if not not saying if not, I want to be in that group. And I'm not saying that I have to be the only one because I know I'm not going to be because that's just not my mentality. But what my focus is is making sure that I continue to put out credible art so where the people, when they find me, and when they find more of me, they're like, oh, this bitch, you know, this is, you know, they, so they can't find that. They'll be like, oh, girl, she recorded it this time later. No, when you press play, you're going to hear the respect of the craft and understanding give us space or give us more opportunities and I'll show you what I can do even more. And so I'm just mm-hmm. thankful and blessed to you know have individuals like yourself who give us the individuals platforms to actually open somebody's mind to understanding and seeing another artist that they might not have seen before. And so I'm just thankful for you and your platform and what you do and who you are just being and the coolness that you give and I've always um, seen you and always respected you. And I'm just glad that organic, like I said, we 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 meshed like that. And so I just thank you for the time. And I look forward to more. Hey, so make sure I'm going to link her EP down in the bottom. You can, She's on all um, streaming platforms. So you can Damn. just search <laughs> Never Ending Nina. Her EP is called Present. Um, actually, one of my favorite songs, it's not on the album, but one of my favorite songs is by you is Love Me Right. <laughs> <laughs> Love Me Right is my sick name. Oh, it's so sick. And don't think I ever forgot I was waiting the right time to post because I just, and that's the other thing, I just made the video. So I'm trying to see how I can, you know, put that cross promotion in with, you know. The thing that you gave me. That was my jam. It made me feel sexy. I was in San Francisco and it had came on my eye because I had downloaded from um 
from um, SoundCloud. And it, had, and, and it had came up on my playlist. Just You know how sometimes your computer just play random songs? And I was like, oh, this need to let me... Ah, this is my signal. That was my shit. So uh, make sure y'all check that out, too. That's on her SoundCloud. Um, yes. But yeah, just check her out. Put her on your in your playlist. Put her on whatever, you know, whatever you got. Music artists, make sure you support your folks out here. Nina, yes. tell the people where they can find you. You can find me everywhere using Neverending Nina. That's on all social media platforms. You can go to everywhere you download music, like my sister Diamond said. Um, type in Neverending Nina. Every avenue, YouTube, everywhere you can download. Of course, we like iTunes in the place where you can download and support the artists, support independent artistry. Give me my coin now. I ain't asking a yeah. lot, but give him a coin. But, uh, <laughs> but find me on everything Never Ending Nina across the social media platforms. And I will have all of that linked in the bottom. And thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful day. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You gonna say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's gonna be all right.